This is the Dexter First Pentecostal Church podcast. Dexter First Pentecostal Church is located at 1213 North One Mile Road in Dexter, Missouri. Our current service times are Sunday morning at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. Today's message is entitled, Don't Let the Facts Hinder the Truth. It was preached on Sunday, February the 7th, 2021 by Pastor Jeff Wells. Our hope and prayer is that today's message will be a blessing to you. raging in our minds today, the things that we're wrestling with, and God, those which, which are, they're real, they're, God, the realities, but Lord, today I believe that there's nothing that you, God, are not able to do. You can do all things, and I pray today, God, as you will help us increase our understanding, help us to see, Lord, you, who you really are. We thank you this morning. We give you honor. We bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give the Lord a great hand clap of praise one more time? Hallelujah, we thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen. Praise God. You can be seated. Praise God for a moment. When Jesus gave the question or, or, or looked to Philip and said, where are we going to get bread? Amen. That all these people can eat. One translation says, verse, verse 7, it says, Philip answered him, well, it would take more than a half of year's wages. And that would only buy enough bread for, them, for everybody to just get one bite. Amen. Have you all ever been to these restaurants? They may have really good food, but they just tease you. Amen. I saw, well, I'm not going to say that because that, that's kind of mean. Amen. It's called a filter. <laughs> and uh, my wife doesn't have one, but I, I um, but, but you go to these places, I mean, I, I don't know. You, you look at me, I, I haven't missed many meals at all. And so when I go to eat, I, that's what I'm there for. And, uh, you know, some of these places, we, we've, we've went, not many, but we've went to a few. And I mean, the food's really good. But it's like just so small. And I get frustrated. So here, Philip's like, we could, we could take a half of our year's wages. And we could buy bread, but only enough for everybody to get one bite. That, that, just, make, that just makes a big guy like me mad. <laughs> Another translation says, Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. We, we just don't have enough. Even if we were given enough more time, if we had six months, but yet even then, working every day, doing everything we possibly could do, we would still not have enough. Philip was not being difficult. Philip was not being contrary to Jesus at all. Reality is Philip was being honest. He was being very truthful to Jesus. What he was saying was an absolute fact. He wasn't exaggerating. He wasn't embellishing. He wasn't taking the, he wasn't being a negative Nancy. He simply was saying, this is the reality of, the, here's our resources, but even our resources uh, times it by six months. We still ain't got enough. Uh, I don't know what we're going to do, Jesus. Uh, there are 5,000 men, not counting women and children. Uh, there are thousands of people here, uh, and you're asking me, how, where are we going to go get bread, even if we could find a place that had enough, we ain't got enough money to buy enough for 
this situation. It was the truth. It's really amazing how quickly you and I, and I'm, 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 I'm preaching to this guy right here today, how quickly we can come to a conclusion. I mean, it don't take much time. We don't have to sleep on it. We don't have to think about it. We don't have to get back with it. I mean, we, how quickly we can, we can measure the situation up. We can come to a conclusion. And often the reason is it's because the facts are very clear. Amen. This is the situation that I'm dealing with or that you're dealing with. The facts are staring us right in our face. We're not trying, we're not thinking, well, maybe I'm seeing something. We know what they are. And so our minds can come to a conclusion so quickly. And, and many times we may, we may make statements such as, well, that ain't never happening. Or that there, there's, there's no chance for that. And again, we, we, we kind of, us preachers will get up here and we'll, we'll slam everybody for being negative. But, but I, I mean, I, I just want us to understand, oftentimes it's just because the facts. Amen. It's called reality. And reality isn't always pretty. Even when you're living for God, reality, there are times when your present reality is less than ideal. When you have whatever the need is, but you have nothing within your resources that are going to be able to meet the need that is at hand. That is reality. Especially easy to do this when the facts are so clear. I love the Word of God. There are so many stories where, where God will take humans, mortals like you and I, and put them in situations where it is so far above their ability. <laughs> and God shows time after time after time that, that the result, the, the actual outcome is not based on your human ability. One of my favorite stories, and I, I reference to it a lot, and it's found in 2 Kings chapter 6. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and he walked out, he went out his, the, the, opened the tent flap and he looked outside, he sees an army. And this army was surrounding the city with horses and chariots, and his servant said to him, speaking to Elisha, my master... What shall we do? It's obvious that we, we, have, we have so many that are against us. We've got an army that is surrounding us. But Elisha answered and says, Do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Amen. I, I, when I'm reading the Word of God and, I, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm in these wonderful stories, I try to kind of put myself in their shoes. What would, I, what would I think? How would I respond if I was the servant and I heard Elisha tell me, don't be afraid because there are more with us than are with, with them. I, I, I can imagine thinking, okay, I don't understand that. 
Because from my perspective, we, we got an army. There's one, two, you and I, and there's an army. I don't understand what you're trying to say. Amen. For those who are with us... Amen. He didn't say that, hey, don't worry about it, but there's an army that's on its way. If you'll just hang in here for a few more moments, he will show up. He said, no, they are already with us. They were here before this army showed up. They'll be here when the army's here. They are with us. Amen. Who's with you this afternoon? Praise God. You say, man, pastor, you've, you've lost your mind. I don't understand. There's a whole nother world out there, church. Amen. A spiritual world. I believe in angels. I don't know whether you do or not. That's up to you. But I believe in angels. And guess what? I believe in angels. And I personally, that I, as far as I'm aware of, I've never seen one. But I still believe in angels. Amen. I, I remember many times Brother Stone King referencing. He said, you'll be, sometimes you'll be in prayer. You'll be in a place of worship. And you'll feel something brush your shoulder. And you'll turn. And there'll be nobody there. He said, I just believe that's the brush of an angel's wing. I, you say, Pastor, you're crazy. I'm telling you, friend, there is an angelic host. And the Bible says that they encampeth around those that fear the Lord. Amen. And they're here before we get here. They're here while we're here. Amen. They are with us today. Amen. Author, Dr. Seuss. He is an author. <laughs> Amen. He says, he wrote in his book, The, the Lorax. This is his sentence. Unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to get better, it's not. Unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to get better, it's not. I don't know if you've heard the story of former Washington, D.C. mayor. His name was Anthony Williams. He was born to an unwed teen who, who gave him up at birth. He was known as a problem child while in foster care. By the age of three, little Anthony had never, he had still never spoken a word at, at the age of three. It seemed as if the pattern for his life was, was set, that that's all, he was nothing, he was always just going to be a, a problem. But it wasn't until, amen, a, uh, two very warm and caring people took a chance on little three-year-old Anthony Williams. He was taken in by an opera-singing postal clerk and her very generous-hearted husband. And it wasn't very long that he began to speak, and eventually he began to thrive in their, in their home. He excelled academically. He uh, later attended both Harvard and Yale universities. And in 1998, he came from obscurity to win 66% of the vote to become mayor in one of the world's major cities. In his inaugural address, he said, 44 years ago, my parents adopted me and gave me a second chance. I feel this city has now adopted me, and I'm going to give, I'm going to, give to it everything my parents taught me about love, service, and commitment. If you were looking at the three-year-old Anthony Williams, you would think, well, this, this little baby ain't got no hope. His, his future's not very bright. But the reality is, when he was put in a loving environment, that, that, that he, the success that he 
that he gained as he got older, guess what? It was always within him. It was always there. But it took that loving environment to bring it out of him. Amen. There is more with you today than is against you. You may this morning, you may be thinking, Pastor, I've got so much going on. I don't know how we're going to get through it. I don't have the resources to make it any better. I know, I know it's just words here today. And I know that just speaking these words may not instantly change your reality. But I want you to know that you have within you a potential. There is within each one of you here today, amen, that you can rise so far much higher than where you are. You can soar above those circumstances and those things that hold you down and keep you bound. I want you to know today, amen, there is more with you than is against you. Or maybe, maybe I should put it this way, there is more within you than is against you. Amen. Potential. The word defined is, it means capable of being, but not yet in existence. Capable of being, but not yet in existence. The potential that is in this room this morning. The potential that lies within every single individual here today. If we were to bring each of you up one by one and, 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 you would sh- and we'd have a huge screen here and it would display your, your life results. <laughs> Amen. Some of us, whether we're young or whether we're old, those results may, be, may not be so, so impressive. Because we've had this or that happen and certain things put us on a certain course and, and, and we, and that's just, that's reality. That's reality. But I'm, I'm telling you, friend, this, this morning, uh, amen, no matter where you've come from, no matter how young nor how old you are, uh, you may be thinking today, uh, oh, past my life is nothing, it's nothing but a waste. Uh, I'm telling you this morning, uh, there is something uh, within you. Uh, there is potential. Uh, you've got the capability uh, of being awesome uh, and great uh, and powerful, uh, but maybe it's just not made it into existence yet. Romans chapter 4, verse 17, amen, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations, and speaking, of course, of Abraham, in the presence of him whom he believed God, who gives life to the dead. And notice, amen, this is what God does. God calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Amen. You may be sitting here today and you've done got, a, you've done got your whole life in your mind and you're saying, Pastor, you, 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 this may be for somebody else because this is what I've dealt with. This is what I've had. This is what I've made of it. And it's not very much. I'm telling you, there's no hope. I'm telling you today that you and I, we serve a God who is able, amen, to call those things which do not exist as though they did. See, God, God does not call the ones that are already equipped. God does not look at you and say, hey, man, you've got great ability. I need you on my team. No, God calls those who everybody else says, God, what you want to do with them? They ain't got nothing. They ain't got nothing to offer. 
God's like, you don't see the way I see things. They may, it may not be in existence right now, but I see something in them that nobody else sees. And I'm telling you, friend, that we have a God today that not only sees the potential, but He is able to draw it and call it out of us that we will become that which He has declared us to be. In Genesis chapter 35, the Bible says that God appeared to Jacob again. When he came into Pandanaram, which is not how you pronounce it, but I just like saying it that way, Pandanaram. And he blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob, but your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation And a company of nations shall proceed from you. And kings shall come from your body. What was he saying? He was saying, number one, you're you're no longer Jacob, you're Israel. We know know Israel today is what? It's a nation. (laughs) It's a people. It began with, with, well, it began with Abraham, but now that covenant's transferred down to, to, to Jacob, amen, to Israel, amen. And he said, there is potential within your very loins. God was saying, what, what, it's not in existence yet. We, we, can't, we can't necessarily count them. They're not there. But, but, but potentially, uh, they are there. Uh, and this covenant that God had made with, with Abraham and Isaac and now Jacob, uh, amen, it was an everlasting covenant. Uh, and it was based upon what was going to happen. Uh, and now you and I, uh, we know how it happened. We know that it did happen. Uh, I want someone to understand here this, this morning uh, that those nations and these kings They did not exist, but God was counting what was coming from him. There are potential. There are things within each of us here today. They may not be in existence today, amen, but there is. God sees what's coming from you. You may not be able to verify your ability today, but when the time is right, amen, and it is needed, God will be all the verifying that you're going to need. Amen. Elisha turns to his servant and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. The Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. They were all, they were there all the time. I don't know how many times God has saved me, amen, from, from destruction, from, amen, an accident. or I mean, there's so many, you know, I, I used to work in the funeral home business, and, and I say that, I don't mean to, I don't mean to sound mean, or, but it is so easy to die, really. The fact that we're still living, it really is a miracle. There are so many more. I, I, can, I can go through my childhood and say, yep, I should not have lived that. I should not have survived that. I mean, a, a, a boy's brain is not the same as a girl's brain. Very seldom do you, you, will you hear stories of, of girls doing things that are harmful. <laughs> but a boy, I don't know what, it's in our brain, guys. We just, we see a challenge and we're like, I can do that. 
I'm going to check this out. But the part of our brain that doesn't develop and it takes a long time is that, is that part of the brain that, that, that helps you to understand the end of the means. It helps you to realize there's, there, there could be consequences to your decision you're making. But there's many times that, that, that God has been merciful to me. There's been times where I have been in a situation where I just simply, I didn't know what else to do. I just called out the name of Jesus. And, and somehow, amen, Jesus kept me safe. I thank God for that. I pray for the hedge of God. I plead the blood of Jesus over my family. Amen. And God has been so kind and I'm grateful for everything that he has done. Amen. But reality is, amen, it's been, it's, it's been because that he has been an abiding strength and power. He's always been there. Amen. I'm so thankful. I don't want to take advantage. I don't want to take it for granted. But I want to acknowledge him again here this morning. Lord, I would not be where I am today had it not been for your goodness amen praise God we shared last week in James chapter 4 in verse number 7 therefore submit to God period there's one statement resist the devil and he will flee from you period that's the second statement but we talked about the, that it's your move and meaning that before you can resist the devil the Bible says you've got to submit to God and when you submit to God, what comes through that submission, uh, there's blessings, friend. Amen. I talked about having dominion over your garden. Uh, I get dominion over my garden uh, because of my submission, uh, amen, to God. Uh, amen. Because when I begin my, my day, I, f- I find myself at an altar. Uh, I'm kneeling before God. I'm humbling myself before God. I want to submit to Him because I know today, if I'm going to make it through this, it's not going to be because of how good I am or how many resources I have. It's going to be by the mercy and the grace and the goodness of God. It says to resist the devil and he'll flee from you. I started studying that a little bit this week. Just I, I kind of thought, what, what, is that, what exactly does that resisting mean? Well, the, the define means to stand against, to withstand, it also has a meaning to be hostile toward. It's not just taking a mental stand, but, but, but literally it's a, it's a physical, it's, 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 an, it's an all-encompassing stand. Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said in verse 12 that from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. Can I say this this evening that, that we, we need to be as hostile for the kingdom of God as they are against the kingdom of God. Amen. I know the enemy is defeated, but I'm telling you, his purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy, and he will take advantage of any opportunity that he is given. You and I today, we ought to be as fervent for the kingdom of God as he is against the kingdom of God. See, resisting the devil, it's more than just saying, well, I resist. No, it's an action. Amen. Resist means not, not joining a picket line or, or, or holding up a sign in protest, but we resist the devil when we pray and we fast and we stand for truth. Amen. When I remain faithful to the things of God, guess what? I'm resisting the devil. When I go the way that nobody else is going, it may not be the popular way. It may not be the most, most easy way. Sometimes 
Sometimes it's a narrow road, but I'm telling you, I'm going to keep doing it because it's resisting. And if I'll keep resisting, amen, the promise that is attached to my submission to God is when I resist, He will flee. And that means He will vanish. Anybody like to see the devil vanish? We have been taught in church culture that... I don't know where it comes from, but I spent a long time in my childhood, even into my adult time, in my mind thinking the devil's going to get me. <laughs> I did. I, rem- I remember I would make a commitment to, to fast. You know what happens when you fast? You get hungry. I mean, you get hungrier than normal getting hungry. And I remember having all these well intentions of fasting. And I would make it through, you know, a couple hours. I'd get through breakfast, feeling pretty good. I'd get to lunch, and oh, lunch was rough. I'd make it through lunch. I'd, I'd, I'd get through work. I'd come home. And when I got home, I just lost it. I had, I mean, the, the, somebody had removed the padlocks from the refrigerator. And... Uh, I remember, man, I just, you know, it's like in a moment of weakness, I just, I devoured everything that I saw. And after I had done that, guess what? I felt horrible. And you know what I got to thinking? Oh, man, God, you can't have revival now. You were depending on me. And I, and I would, man, I, I would just think, oh, now, now I'm just like open season on Jeff. I mean, the devil's just going to rip me in two. I mean, I'm t- I mean, I'm telling you, my, my, my thought, my, my, my process, it was, it was so wrong. That's, that's not, the, we should not, the devil is a defeated foe. He really is. And, and, and the devil is not, God can read your mind. You don't have to speak anything. He knows the very thoughts and the intents of your heart. The devil can't read your mind. You know how the devil Gets kind of gets an idea of where you're at. It's the things you speak. That's why death and hell are in the power of the tongue. <laughs> That's why when we when we when we vomit out these words, the devil's like, "I got them. <laughs> I've got them now." But it's when but when we start getting understanding that the devil doesn't have any power. He really doesn't. And the only power he has is that which I give him. The opportunities I open myself, neither give place to the devil. That's my choice. And if I will not give place to the devil, instead of speaking all the negative stuff that I could speak that comes so easy to speak, but instead, even when I'm in my trial, even when I'm in a, in a dark place, even when all the facts around me are daunting, I can speak, oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen, like Habakkuk. Even though the olive don't, don't, the tree don't fail me, everything around me is bad, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, in the God of my salvation. When you start speaking like that, it throws the devil off. Well, they ought to be, they ought to be, they ought to be cussing by now. They ought to be doing this by now. But I'm telling you, when we get in our, when we realize, amen, that God, He, he is faithful, he is, he is merciful, He is good, amen. The Bible tells us that once we do, once we, once we submitted, we resist, the scripture then declares the enemy will flee. In James chapter 4, verse 10, 
He says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. It means to, be, to elevate, to be exalted, to have dignity. See, anything I do to lift myself up, it's not probably going to have a lot of dignity to it. It's going to be selfish. It's going to be self-motivated. But when I allow him to lift me up, it is with dignity. You say, Pastor, uh, I don't have that now. Amen. But I'm preaching to you uh, that the potential is there. You just have to submit to to God. You've got to resist the enemy. uh, And this will become the result. Even though I've got all this, yes, even though you've got all this. Don't let the facts hinder the truth. Jesus looked at Philip. Where are we going to buy bread that all these will eat? And again, Philip's like, ah, Lord, we, we, we don't have enough. Andrew says, well, we got this boy here. He's got five loaves of bread and two fish. But what are they among so many? It's amazing how soon we forget, isn't it? Obviously, the disciples had forgotten about a time when Israel had grown tired of manna. Every day, manna. Every day, manna. You know what they wanted? They wanted some meat. (laughs) They wanted some Arby's. (laughs) They wanted something besides all this bread. The Bible says in verse 4 of Numbers chapter 11, now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving. The children of Israel also wept again and said, who will give us meat to eat? Now you got to get the picture here. These guys were tired. They wanted meat. Anybody, when I, when, I went, when I went to Israel, in Israel, they don't, you can't have meat and cheese together. I, I was there for 10 days. I'm telling you, I was craving a cheese burger. Amen. I remember you know, one day they would have cheese. I, I, I told my friend, I said, I think I'm going to take this cheese and take it to the room with me. And then tomorrow when they have hamburger, I'm going to bring my cheese with me. I didn't do that. I, I, oh, I, I just wanted a cheeseburger so bad. I got to, we, uh, we, we had traveled. We were up for t- over 24 hours. I was, I was tired. I was wore out. My wife come and, comes and picks me up. Guess what we did? I was tired, but you know what we did? I stopped and got me a cheeseburger. Hey, man, I wanted a cheeseburger. These guys hadn't had manna for so long. They just wanted some meat. And I, can, I, can, I can understand. But, but this is where they, they, they go too far. We remember the fish that we ate freely in Egypt. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our whole being is dried up. There's nothing except all this manna before our eyes. The Bible tells us in verse 10 that Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families. I mean, this is getting bad. It wasn't just one, like the whole tribe of Israel starting to moan and groan about not having meat. Everyone's at the door of their tent. The anger of the Lord was greatly aroused, and Moses was also upset. Notice what Mo- Moses has a conversation with God. He says, Lord, why have you afflicted your servant? Why have I not found favor in your sight? That you have laid the burden of all these people on me. Did I conceive these people? No. Did I beget them? That you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a guardian carries a nursing child to the land which you swore to their fathers. Where am I to get meat to give all these people? For they weep over, all over me saying, give us meat that we may eat. I am not able to bear these people alone because the burden's too heavy. 
Notice what Moses goes, he says, if you treat me like this, please kill me here and now. I mean, it was bad. All because they wanted some hamburger. If I have found favor in your sight, do not let me see my wretchedness. Amen. Skip down to verse 18. He says, the Lord says, all right, look, let's get together here. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. And you, guess what? You're, you're going to eat meat. Amen. For you have wept in the hearing of the Lord, saying, who will give us meat to eat? Therefore, the Lord will give you meat, and you shall eat. But notice, he said, not just one day, not two days, not even five days, nor ten days, nor even twenty days, but for an entire month, I'm going to give you so much meat. It's going to come out of your nostrils. It's going to become low. I'm going to tell you, God's like, you want meat? I'm fixing to give you meat. You're going to have so much meat. Amen. And, and, and notice, though, I'll skip down to verse 21, and Moses says, he hears what God says. He's like, uh, the people who I am, or who I am uh, among, God, there's 600,000 men on foot. What Moses was saying, God, I know you've just said that you're fixing to give all this meat, but, but I just want to make sure you know how many is coming for supper. <laughs> 600,000, that's just the men. That's not counting the, the women, the children, the men above 50, the, the men under, under the age of 20. I just want to make sure you know. I mean, shall, shall the flocks and herds be slaughtered for them? I mean, are you going to take up all of our meat? I mean, how, how, just exactly how are you going to do this, Lord? And the Lord said to Moses, Has the Lord's arm been shortened? Now you will see whether what I say will happen to you or not. Not one animal had to die. None of, their, none of their herds were, were messed with. Amen. But God sent in a wind, and it started blowing in all these quail. <laughs> and, I mean, they just kept on coming, and they kept on coming. They had so much meat. Let me tell you, by the, by the time the month was over, they were looking, that manna was looking really, really good to them. But God's like, I don't care if it's 600,000 or if it's 600 billion. There's no limit to what I can do. Amen. And so Jesus was asking Philip, hey, where, where are we going to go get this bread at? Oh, Lord, I don't know. He was looking at his facts. Don't let the facts hinder the truth. Because God took that little boy's sack lunch, five loaves and two fish, and he had them all sit down. He blessed it. He broke the bread. He gave it to the disciples, and they distributed it to all 5,000 plus Every single individual that day had plenty to eat. It was more than just a bite. They, had, they were fulfilled. They, they had plenty. And then when it was all said and done, there were 12 baskets of leftovers. Don't ever say, God can't do it. Don't ever say, let me, let me go a little further, that God can't do it through you. You've got the potential. As we, as we, we're, we're getting ready to land. We're, get, we're, we're closing. Amen. Praise God. Second Corinthians chapter four, it says that we have a treasure in earthen vessels. And we talked about it a couple weeks ago that we were perplexed, but not in despair. <laughs> we are perplexed. Yes. We, we are at times where we don't know how it's going to turn out, but the treasure that we have on the inside of us, it's never in despair. Amen. My God is never in despair. I will never face anything that will ever render God helpless. 
I promise you here today, amen, that God, he has, he has, he has an over, uh, an amount that, that we, beyond our, our imagination. Brother, Brother Bruce, he quoted the scripture today, amen. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen. Don't let the facts hinder the truth. So if we were there today, if we were standing there and we're hearing the conversation that Jesus is having with Philip, what would you say? I'd say, Philip, don't worry about it. The man's got it all taken care of. Jesus, don't worry about it. It don't matter what you don't have. It don't matter how you can't get this. Jesus is going to take care of it. Is that true? Amen. Well, you may not be sitting on that hillside outside next to the Sea of Galilee this morning. You, you, you're sitting here in Dexter, Missouri, and, and you're dealing with circumstances that, that are, again, may not be the same, but they're, but they're similar. They're, they're things that you can't fix. Can I tell you the same thing that we, we would tell Philip? Hey, guys, Jesus is going to take care of it. Jesus is going to provide. You say, man, Pastor, that, that just don't have the same flair, but it's, it's the truth. Jesus will take care of it. Anybody believe that today? Amen. Is it really that simple, Pastor? Yep. It really is. We, we like to think we got to jump through hurdles and do all this other crazy stuff, but reality is it, it really don't have to be that difficult. I don't want to let my facts hinder the truth. He's the truth. He can make a way where there seemeth to be no way. As we stand here today, hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. It's amazing how, how, how good we are with our, with our own details. You know, we, we, can, we can figure and I know exactly what I got to have, Pastor. But we, we tend to forget, amen, what, not just what Jesus can do, but what Jesus has done. <laughs> I'm not just telling these good stories just to, you know, maybe try to inspire. I'm, I'm telling you, this is who Jesus is today. He can, and I believe he will do it for you. Amen. All things work together for good to them who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. Hallelujah. This morning, I want to invite you around this altar. Amen. Bring your facts with you. Bring your circumstances with you. Amen. But I'm telling you, you've got to give Jesus an opportunity here today. Amen. And, I, and it, it, may not, it may not happen instantly. There may be a process. But nevertheless, we're going to stand on the promise of His Word, the authority of His Word, and know that He is able, whatever He has promised, He is able to perform. Come on, church. Amen. Let's